Come on. When his spirit is living on the inside, there is nothing to be afraid of. And there is, hallelujah, no worry or anxiety belongs with the presence of God. You just lift up your voice and call on the name that is above every name. Come on, for just a few moments. Somebody magnify him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your spirit is living inside of us, God. Hallelujah. We're going to walk in your peace and your goodness, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. It's so good to be in the presence of God here today in Jesus' name. How many is thankful to be in church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, before we dismiss our Sunday school, amen, you may be seated for just a few moments. Hallelujah. Man, it's good to see everybody's smiling face here today. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. For those of you that don't own a calendar, we are in a new year. Amen. Praise God. And uh, in preparation for this new year, I was praying about what direction uh, God would have us to go and and uh, God dropped a verse in my heart and uh, I'm going to be preaching on that here today but Jesus told them to lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest and then I felt in this year if there's nothing else that we would do it's that God would open up our eyes that we would see the harvest that is right in front of us. Amen. Hallelujah. How many would like to see the church double in one year? I hope I see everybody's hand. All right. All right. Well, I got good news for you. The church can double in one year, and it's not as spiritual as you think. <laughs> Some people, they think, man, we're we just going to pray and, and, and just hope. You know, in sales, they told me hope is not a strategy. Um, <laughs> but there is something very spiritual and logical that we can do. And that's for each one to reach one. I think sometimes we get such a huge uh, global vision. I think that's great. But sometimes people don't know where to start. Uh, they, they've got great, big, and grandiose visions. But uh, often the hardest step is the first step. And when it comes to a church growing, often taking that first step is the hardest step. Uh, there's a lot of people that could say, man, I've got all sorts of hang-ups, anxieties, and whatnot. I don't know if I can go and preach to the masses. Well, I got good news for you. God's not saying you got to go preach to the masses. It's to find one person. One person. I think that... that uh, I think it would be worthy of every individual's year to think and to pray for one person all year. Just... Now, that doesn't mean that 
uh, that person is going to be the, the, the one that gets saved. My brother and sister, my brother-in-law and my sister came into church. They brought me into church, and they were gone within a few months. But here I am pastoring today. You never know what, when you sow a seed, you never know where it's going to spring up. But one thing is certain. If we don't sow, we will not reap. Amen. But I think it would be, I think it would be a good goal this year that everywhere we go, that we would go through the coffee shop, go through the Starbucks, and have a conversation with the barista or the baristo or whatever they think they are right now and just begin to invite them to the house of God. You may not feel comfortable going beyond just an invitation, and that's okay because it takes all kinds. Maybe you're the person that says, well, I think I can go to another level. And uh, you want to teach them a Bible study. This year we're going to have classes on how to teach a Bible study. Praise God. Amen. Maybe you're just like, I don't know if I can, if I can reach out to an adult because I, maybe I'm a little nervous. Well, the Sunday school could use your help with some kids. Amen. Contrary to the popular belief of our world, kids are souls too. And we need to do everything we can to reach kids. Amen. How many came and got saved when they were when they were under 18? Raise your hand. Wow, look at that. I was 13 years old. Amen. There's just so many people that have come and got saved when they were under 18 years old. Let's never forget to see that harvest. Amen. Hallelujah. So maybe it might just be handing out a card. Maybe you're the type of person who goes, well, I, you know what? I, I'd go on outreach, but I'm a little too afraid to knock the door. I got something beautiful for you. It's called a door hanger. If you can come out with us, this right here is nothing more than advertisement. And we're just going to blitz. Amen. You take 50, 100 of these with you. you. You don't have to knock on the door. I know that that might seem like sacrilegious to some people. But just go and put some seed out there and hopefully pray for it and pray over it that God would use it. I heard a story of a guy that he got a, uh, he got a, a card. And uh, 20, 15, 20 years prior, he got a church card that somebody left on his door. And, uh, you know, he took it and he pinned it to his fridge. And about 20 years later, he had to move out of that house. And he moved that fridge. And he looked and he saw a card. And, it, and he, he, he picked up that card. And praise God, the church was still in existence. And he called that card and said, I'd like to know when your service times are. And that man got saved. He got baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So this year, why don't we make a commitment that everywhere we go, we're going to have our eyes wide open. We're going to see the harvest. We're going to have the right perception that everybody, well, they got tattoos everywhere, and they got they look like a tackle box blew up in their face. Praise God. They're an opportunity. Hallelujah. Well, they're, they're my neighbor, and I've known them for 20 years. Awesome. Invite them over for dinner. Have some cookies, something do whatever. I, we're working on our neighbor right now. Her name's Rama. Pray for her. But find somebody. In fact, if you can think of one person right now, maybe you don't have that person in mind. That's all right. You can help us pray. We're going to pray for just a moment. But if you can think of one person 
that you would ask God to save this year, that you're going to take the rest of the year and you're going to pray for them. You're going to do everything you can to invite them, to work with them. If you would make that commitment that this year you're going to focus, if God sends you 10, praise God, but you're going to focus that by the end of the year, I'm going to have, I'm going to have brought one person to church. I'm going to have taught one Bible study. I'm going to baptize one person. Whatever, whatever your commitment is, each one make the commitment, I'm going to reach somebody. Would you lift up your hands? Let's stand all across the building hallelujah hallelujah praise God let's pray right now if you have a name in your in your mind hallelujah if you have a name in your mind go ahead and I want you to lift it up and pray maybe it's a sibling maybe it's a loved one amen why don't you pray maybe it's somebody that's left God that's backslidden I want you to pray for him right now God this year I pray that you would lay them on my heart that I would pray for them that I would fast for them I, I pray God that you would send us the masses but Lord before you send us the masses God help us to handle one properly I pray that you would help us God today I pray for lost loved ones I pray for backsliders to come home I pray for neighbors I pray for those that we have haven't even met yet that this year God open up our eyes that we would see it that we would see them as a soul and God help us in Jesus name everybody clap your hands unto the Lord hallelujah 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 amen praise God if you have your Bibles we're going to turn over to the book of John chapter 4 and verse 34 at this time we're going to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classrooms hallelujah Amen. John chapter 4 and verse number 34. You don't want to miss this Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome. Elder Johnson's going to be teaching the Word of God to us. It's going to be a blessing. So make sure you come and bring your Bible. In fact, make this Wednesday the first. If it's the first time you've done it, invite somebody to the house of God in Jesus' name. John chapter 4 and verse 34. Jesus saith unto him, unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish the work. Say not ye, there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. And I'm going to preach to us for this Sunday service, amen, as we launch out into this, this year. I'm going to preach to us about seeing the harvest, seeing the harvest. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Come on, would you pray with me here today? Jesus, I'm praying that you would do a work, oh God. Move on every heart. Move on every mind. There are people here today, God, that are all ready to be harvested. Amen. We've got people that are even visiting, God, that you have been working on, you've been reaching for. And I pray that today would be the day where they would be snatched up and gathered into your hand, God. 
And we're giving you the praise and the glory and the honor in the wonderful name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him God bless you and you may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Sing the harvest. As we are reading through the book of Genesis, we are introduced to many different things that, that are intriguing. But one of the things I think that is the very first chapter or so, verse two chapters, it is explaining and expounding to us on how God created each and everything. Contrary to popular belief, this whole world does not exist because uh, nothing combusted with nothing and we see everything today. Uh, but everything that you and I see it here came because God spoke it. Amen. And so it is there that we see God creating the world. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms that God created the world to be inhabited. God doesn't want, amen, earth to be a place that is lacking oxygen. Because without oxygen, there is no life. Without the right atmosphere and the right environment, there can be no life. And so God goes forth and begins to create the atmosphere and the environment. One thing that uh, is still intriguing to me, even to now, is the way that God created plant life. The way that God created plant life was that it would be a seed. And that seed would be planted in the earth. And that seed would grow. And there would be fruit. And fruit is simply defined in the Bible as, a, as something that has seed within itself. Amen. So in other words, if it does not have the ability to reproduce, it is not fruit. Hallelujah. I'm going to help somebody here today. You don't even know it yet, but we're going to help. If, if we do not have within ourselves the ability to reproduce what God has put into us, amen, there is something there that is lacking, and we have yet to become the fruit of what God wants. But God started this, and we see God creating all the plant life, and, and in Genesis 1, it seems like everything just appeared. But if you look at Genesis chapter 2, you will see that it actually started in seed form. In fact, if you were to boil your life down, nothing just comes to fruition. Everything in God starts at its, its infantile state. Everything in God starts in seed form. Amen. Genesis 2 and 5 would let us know that every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every yield herb of the field before it grew. Because, and what is that saying in modern English? That there were, there were seeds in the ground, but no shrubs came forth. No vegetables came forth. There was no, group, no growth. And the reason behind it is because God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. Well, why would God want there to be seeds in the ground, but no rain and no growth? I'll tell you why. The very next verse, the Bible says, because God... Amen. Sorry, inside that verse, because there was not a man to till the ground. In other words, all the fruit was waiting on a man or a woman of God to be formed and to be ready. Amen. Before God ever brings something into your life, he's going to make sure that you are formed and that you and I are ready to receive it. Hallelujah. 
Some people would say, well, God, why am I not a millionaire? I'll tell you why you're not a millionaire, because you're not ready to be a millionaire. But if you ever get to the place where you are able to till that ground and you are able to handle that blessing, I want you to know that the moment that you become formed, God says, I'll make sure that there is enough rain to produce every bit of fruit. I wish somebody would shout this afternoon, hallelujah. So God said, I'm going to put the seed in the ground, but there's only going to be some mist that comes up from the earth. There's going to be no rain. I'm not looking for a bunch of growth until the man was formed. And when the man was created, it was in that point that the Bible says that God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And he placed the man in the garden to keep it and to tend to it. As soon as there was a man that could do the work. Amen. Church, I want to tell you, our harvest is simply waiting on some laborers that are ready to do the work work and the moment that we get ourselves into position the moment that we get our mindset right the moment that we get our hearts right and get prepared God says I'm not waiting on me I'm waiting on you and the moment that happens God can plant a garden the moment that happens God can bring a harvest the moment that happens God can begin to fill up everything come on somebody clap your hands and give God some praise hallelujah so God starts everything in seed form. He plants a seed and he plants the garden. And when the man is available and of age to be able to take care of it, it begins to grow and now there is fruit. It's almost an instantaneous growth because now that Adam is ready, there is now some, there's going to be fruit and there's going to be vegetables. There's going to be things that he can uh, ingest. But the story continues that in this garden when he should have been keeping it and tending it and eating all sorts of good things that were to be desired that they found the one thing that God said not to eat thereof and they ate it. It was that one seed inside of that one fruit that led mankind down a path that they could not get themselves out of. And mankind fell into sin. And as God began to curse the serpent, the Bible also lets us know that God cursed the earth. The very earth that God had formed to be fertile and to be fruitful. God had, for man, the Bible says it was for man's sake that God cursed the ground, that thorns and thistles would begin to grow up. At one point, all that would grow is the things that were fruit, that had seed within themselves that could reproduce, that were a blessing to humanity. But now that sin has entered into the world, amen, it is now growing for thorns and thistles. It is stealing the nutrients out of the soil. What should have grown a fruit tree is now nothing more than leaves and things that are stealing away its life. I want to tell you that's how sin is in the life of an individual. Amen. Sin will come into your world and it's, it's not just what it produces in you that's the problem. It's what it's stopping from being produced in your life. God wants to bring a harvest in your world. God wants to bring life into you. But there are other things that are stealing life. God wants to bless you but there are other things that are stealing that harvest away. Mankind is now caused, he says, by the sweat of your brow, you are going to till the ground. You're going to have to work for everything that you plant. Hallelujah. I hope it helps somebody right now. I want you to know that you're going to have to work for everything that you plant. 
every harvest that you are to receive in this life, you're going to have to work. It's going to be sweat of brow. Anybody that told you life is just nothing but an easy road, they have lied to you and they don't tell the truth. Everything that you earn in life, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to pray for it. You're going to have to fast for it. Don't let the devil tell you because it's hard work. It must not be of God. I want to tell you if it's hard work, it's a blessing to you because it's going to produce. Oh, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. So it is there. God cursed the ground for man's sake. And we'll get into that another time. But it was the thorns and thistles that it was for man's sake. The very thorns that Jesus would later wear. Amen. Oh, it was a crown of thorns upon his head. It was a blessing to mankind. But, but now there are other things that are growing. And now there is competition in the soil for what will grow. There are now wheat and tares. Amen. There are now sheep and goats. There are, there are things that are growing that should grow and things that are growing that should never have grown. And, and so it is in the life of an individual that, that though there are people, I don't think anybody wakes up one day and says, I want to be an alcoholic when I grow up. I don't think there's anybody that says, well, when I I grow up I want to be a drug addict but somewhere some things got planted in their life maybe it was their raising amen but there were other things planted but I want you to know that God had put some things in you well before you were ever born and those things are desiring to grow those things are desiring to be harvested but there's other things that are choking out everything God's doing. You're going to have to take some time and pull those things out. You're going to have to pray those things out. It's going to be worked. It's going to be by the sweat of your brow. But, honey, when it's done, you're going to have a harvest. Oh, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. God told Noah in Genesis chapter 8 that while the earth remaineth, there's going to be seed, time, and harvest cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night it shall not cease. What there are what God is doing in that moment is He is relaying to man that there are going to be laws of the harvest. There are going to be, amen, seasons and there's going to be times and, and, and we can get into the seasons and times amen, maybe later but for now I want to focus in on these different subjects that, that there are laws to the harvest that there are seed, time and harvest. Law number one of the harvest you have got to sow Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he is purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I know that this verse's context is referring to people's monetary giving, but I want to tell you that this law of the harvest amen, is universal, whether you're talking about agriculture, or you're talking about your finances, or you're talking about your family, or your faith. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly, but if you sow with an open hand and you sow bountifully good things, I want to tell you, you're going to reap back tenfold, thirtyfold, hundredfold more than that which you planted somebody give him praise 
I got to help somebody here today on this Sunday afternoon. Uh, some people, they get caught up uh, and, and they live a life that is all faith and no work. Uh, I want to tell you that's a life that is out of balance. Uh, I'm about to get to talking about faith here in a moment. Uh, but before I talk about faith, uh, I got to help somebody out. Uh, you got to balance faith and hard work uh, just together. There's people that pray, God send the rain, God send the rain, but they've not yet done the work to be ready for the harvest. The man has not been formed. The woman has not been formed. Hallelujah. There's people that pray for rain, but they have not yet sown the seed. They have not yet let the bountiful, amen, they've not yet had that, that seed of the word of God and planted it out there. But they pray, God, send the rain. Honey, if that rain comes down and you've not sown, all you're going to get is a flood. But if you can sow the seed and sow it bountifully, when God sends the rain, it's going to sprout and it's going to come back a hundredfold. That which you plant somebody praise him hallelujah. hallelujah we've got to be willing to sow and to give our all it's going to take work I want to tell you that since the earth is cursed and since there's trouble and since life is not as easy as it seems, you're going to have to take your plow out and you're going to have to break through that soil. Jesus would tell us about different soil conditions and some would say, well, I'm just bad soil. I want, I got to help you, help you and give you news. Amen. There's not good soil and then bad soil. I want to tell you that in the life of every individual, we got all soil conditions. Some of us have got some hard things that are going to have to be removed. Some of us have got thorns and thistles that are choking out the Word of God. They've got to be removed as well. Some of us have got some plowed up wayside. Amen. And there's not a whole lot growing there. Those things are going to have to be plowed up. Amen. And made fresh until we're good ground, fertile ground. And after we do the work of plowing, sowing is not just throwing seed in the ground. You gotta plow it up. You gotta break up your fallow ground. And at that point of breaking up that fallow ground, removing stumps, removing rocks, removing hard things, you say, God, there's a lot of thorns and thistles, amen, that were planted well before I was born. They came from my home life or whatnot. I'm going to have to remove those things out of my life. And God, in, in the space of all those hard things, in the space of every stump, in the space of every thorn and thistle and everything else that's been choking my life, all my ex-addictions and compulsions, all my insecurities that used to be there. I'm going to take your word and I'm going to sow it into my life and I'm going to believe in faith that it's going to sprout. I'm going to believe in faith that it's going to grow. So you got to sow. It's a law of the harvest. You don't sow, you don't reap. Amen. But there is another law of the harvest. We must water and nourish our fields Paul would put it this way, one plants, one waters, but it is God that gives the increase. Psalms would put it this way, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves 
with him. Amen. I want to tell you that it is not enough just to sow. I just qualified that you're going to have to water. But I want to tell you that there is something to that. There is something to living a life where you've done the work, but now you've got the faith to pray for the work in which you've done. There's something about people, amen, that have removed the stumps and the rocks and all these things. They planted the seed of good things that God has for them. God's made promises and they planted in their life. God's given them a word and they planted it in their life. And it's those people that don't just leave it at that, but they they let that seed be planted, and they got tears in their eyes, and they got a prayer on their lips, and they're praying, God, don't just let it be planted in my life, but God, I pray, water it that it might grow. I don't want to just hear more promises from a pulpit, and I don't want to just hear more promises in my prayer room, but God, I want to see things begin to happen. It's going to take a saint of God that begins to pray and has tears tears in their eyes that says one day I'm going to see everything God planted. One day I'm going to get a harvest. There's got to be some passion. There's got to be some tears. There's got to be some faith that says I'm going to get a harvest of everything. Somebody pray. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I don't want to have dry eyes. I want to have my pail full of water that says God I believe you enough. I'm going to keep watering this seed. It's not going to die on me. It's not going to get try on me. I have not given up. I have not given in. I believe. Oh, somebody lift up your hand, so let's magnify him. Come on. Hallelujah. I didn't come to preach for a long time. I came to help somebody. You planted the seed. God's planted the seed in your life, but now you're going to have to nourish it. You're going to have to water it. You're going to have to pray over it. You're going to have to believe over it, and you're going to have to trust God. got to be willing to have, amen, the watering of the word. We've got to have the water, amen, amen. And when it comes to, if I were to break it down to the harvest in terms of church, because I know I'm, I'm speaking about the harvest in general, but if I were to talk about the harvest of the church, what is the harvest of the church? The harvest of the church is souls. The harvest of the church is souls. And my Bible just told me that, that, that he that goeth forth weeping. Amen. I got a question to ask, and it's not in my notes, but I might as well help. When's the last time that you thought about somebody that wasn't saved and it brought a tear to your eyes? Oh, let's pray for just a moment. I didn't come to hurt nobody or condemn anybody. I just want to help you. When's the last time you thought about somebody, amen, that maybe you work with, maybe you live near, maybe you're related to, and it brought a tear to your eye. Maybe it was a coworker, and you begin to pray, God, save my mother. God, save my brother. I want to tell you, when you go out with tears, you come back with joy. When you go out weeping, saying, God, you got to bring it to pass. i got to see a harvest on this. i got to say, when you go out with that kind of passion, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous individual, it prevails, it prevails, it prevails. We've got to be willing to nurture it. I think sometimes many prayers aren't answered because we pray at one time and forget about it. I want to tell somebody that if you're not passionate about it, don't expect God to be passionate about it. 
If it's not a sacrifice to you, it's not a sacrifice to God. If it's not something that's important to you, it's not going to be important to God. But there's something that happens when Hannah's in there uh, praying, God, send me a baby lest I die. Uh, amen. I want to tell you there's something that happens uh, when somebody got, somebody says, God, i got to have a harvest. Uh, God, I've got to have what you've offered me. Uh, I've, it's got to be that Abraham that says, God, you promised it to me, and I believe you, uh, and it was counted righteousness, uh, but I want to see it. Uh, I want to see it. There's something that happens uh, in an individual that says, God, Amen. You might have forgotten, but I never forgot. There's something that happens when they say, Lord, i got to see the harvest. God will respond to that kind of prayer. We've got to nurture it. We've got to plant it. But Galatians 6 and 9 says this. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not there are two factors that happen when it comes to seeing the harvest number one there's this thing called time hallelujah you plant it you water it but then there's this thing called time and there are people that can endure the planting people that can endure the watering but when it comes to this next season uh, where you don't know how long it's going to be how long the Lord uh, until you avenge the righteous and and there's something that happens when time begins to go on Uh, I want to tell you there's too many people that have failed the time test uh, but my Bible tells me that in due season or in due time uh, we shall Come on, somebody, we shall. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, we shall. If we faint not, we're going to reap, we're going to see, we're going to acquire, we're going to... Come on, can I tell somebody in some faith, build some faith in your life? It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time before you see. ARC, it's just a matter of time until God opens up a door that will blow our mind and he breaks open the door in our city. Come on, and we step foot into that building and it's not just stepping into a building, but it's full of souls and we see the harvest, but we've got to endure and hold on until that due season. we got to hold on until the Lord of the harvest shows up. Hallelujah, we've got to pass the time test. But in that time test, we've got to learn the word endurance. Endurance, that word that we faint not, it literally means we must not give up. If you want to see the harvest of everything God has ever promised to you, you must not give up. I know that's elementary and plain for some folks, but I've come to help you here today. You must not give up. It is a principle of the harvest. We must not give up, and we will see the harvest. Would you lift up your hands? I'm almost done preaching. 
Come on, I, I want you to begin to think about all the things that God has been planting in your mind, planting in your heart, planting in your life. Amen. I want you to think about the church's harvest. Think about souls and all those things. I want you to begin to reminisce through your mind. And you got to remind yourself of the end result. I'm going to see the harvest one day, and I will not give up. I will not faint. I will not give up, and I will not give in until I see. In our text, Jesus is witnessing to one woman of Samaria. This one woman who's had five husbands and is currently shacked up. Doesn't seem like she's got a whole lot together. But he came, and the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. It was so important to Jesus that he showed up to Samaria because he knew there's going to be somebody at that well, and I've got to meet with her. That one soul, that one little seed, if you will, was worth Jesus taking the time out to go and, and find her and spend some time with her and nourish her and, and, and invest in her. That one soul, that one person, it wasn't that he went for the masses, but he went for one and it was that one woman that said Lord I know who you are now and if you can give me that water that I never thirst again I want it I want to tell you if you can find one person this year and pray for them that one person that wants water that one person that's hungry that one person that says God I'll do anything you want it will be sufficient for a harvest. Somebody lift up your hands. Let's stand all across the building. Come on, it's precious seed. It's precious seed. It's precious seed. But if we're going to see the harvest, we've got to be willing to invest that seed. It might just be one, but plant that one. It might be two or three or four, but you've got to plant it. Let's pray all across the building. Jesus performed every law of the harvest with that woman. But can I tell you, the laws of the harvest start to shift when the Lord of the harvest shows up. Jesus looks at his disciples. They say, why are you wasting time on her? And Jesus began to talk to them. And he looks at them and says, stop saying there's four months. And then the harvest comes. Well, Jesus, ever since Noah, it's been that you've got to wait a certain specific season, a specific time. And Jesus is saying, I understand that in the natural, that's how it is. But with Jesus, amen, when the Lord of the harvest shows up, it doesn't matter what season it is. It's always harvest time. He can make something that should have taken five years. He can have it happen in one moment. He can have it happen in one altar call. When the Lord of the harvest shows up, the one that is outside of time, he can step into your time and say, today is the day that everything comes to pass. He said, you got to stop saying 
maybe one day. Because normally the harvest is on our time frames. But when God gets involved, I know, hey, listen, I'm logical. I got time frames in my brain. But if God ever speaks to me and when he speaks to me and he says, stop laying on your time and relying on your time frames, it's in that moment I say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm not going to say four more months. I'm not going to say three more years. As soon as God shows up, every time frame begins to change. But then he tells him this, lift up your eyes and see the fields in other words to see the harvest we've got to stop spending so much time looking at ourselves it's got to shift from self to harvest it's got to shift from problems to solutions from doubt to faith We've got to be willing to lift up and elevate our eyes and stop seeing things from down here and start saying, Lord, i got to change my perspective. I want to ask you here today, what is your vantage point? Is your light all about the next step you're going to take? Or is it looking down the road and saying, God, I know you got more for me? Are you basing your decisions on the harvest or based on what's hardest? got to be willing to lift up our eyes and see the fields because Jesus said the fields are white and ready to harvest right now we've got to change our vantage point but we've got to see the harvest the way that God sees it. When the Lord of the harvest shows up in your world, when God shows up in your life and says, I promise you that, and, and Sarah's there saying, man, I, you, you came a little too late. I'm already too old. And he says, this time next year, you're going to have a child. When the Lord of the harvest shows up and says, don't worry about what you got going on, I want you to see the harvest that it's ready. I want you to see every promise I've ever made to you that it's ready. And all you got to do is go out and get it. In God's eyes, the harvest is always ready. God is outside of time. He's the one that said, let there be light. There was no sun, moon, or stars. And light appeared. Well, God, I just don't see how X, Y, and Z you got to stop looking from your vantage point and look up and see it from God's vantage point and say, though it doesn't make sense right now, I trust you, Jesus. I want to tell you, those disciples, they probably looked up and all they saw was the same fields they'd always seen and it didn't look ready. But what Jesus was saying is you can't look at it through your human perspective and your human eyes. You can't look at it from earth to heaven, but you got to look from heaven to earth and see things the way I see them. And it was in that moment, as the disciples lifted up their eyes from one woman of Samaria, one seed that was planted, all of the men of the city of Samaria came out. God was giving them a very real lesson that when I show up, when I show up, and I begin to work on somebody's life. I want to tell you, if we can work on one person's life, it's in that one moment when the Lord of the harvest shows up that everything that he's promised, it starts to come together. I want to tell you, you got to stop looking from this vantage point and look from God's point of view. Amen. It may not seem like a whole lot right now, but you let God work, and now all, everything that was promised begins to come to pass. Would you lift up your hands?
Let's pray. I'm going to see the harvest. I'm going to see the harvest. Every promise that God has made, I'm going to see it. And Lord, whenever you see fit to show up and break my time frames and break my paradigm, I'm all right with it. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on. Somebody needs to do what Jesus told his disciples. You've got to engage in the harvest. You've got to be a reaper in the harvest. Only those that go after it are the ones that receive payment. Only those that say, I see it. I see it. I see the vision, and I'm going after it. Those are the ones that receive payment. Those are the ones that are blessed. You've got to go after it. There are a lot of people here today that say, well, preacher, I've had a lot of things promised to me through the years, and I've not seen it. I want you to give God an opportunity here today to change your point of view. Abraham, I'm, I'm trying to let you get into an impossible situation for a reason. Because when I work it out, you'll know that it was not by your hand or your might, but it was by my hand and my might. There's some folks you've been walking in it, praying for it. I want to tell you, don't give up, don't quit. you got to pray, God, I'm going to see it one day. I want God to encourage your faith. I want you to lift up your hands. I want to open up this altar. I want somebody to come with the tenacity that says, I will not give up. I will not quit. I will see everything God has promised. This church will see the revival that God promised. It might start with one Samaritan woman. It might start with your life. But I'm telling you, there are so many connected to one person that gives their life to God. There's so many promises connected to one person that says yes. Come on. Come on. You always get back more than you plant. You always get back more than you plant. you got to say, God, I'm going to receive everything. I'm going to see it. Another harvest. Another day for you to manifest your promises. Come on, somebody pray. Another moment. There might be prayers you've given up on, but today's your day to say, God, lift up my eyes. Lift up my eyes to see you're still going to make a way. Your promises still stand. Come on, pray for that lost loved one. Pray for that family member. I'm going to see them saved. I'm going to see them saved. Come on, pray for that blessing. I'm going to see everything that you promise. God, I've been faithful. I've been working at it. God, I'm believing. I'm going to see it.
I said, somebody pray right now. Somebody's getting a vision. There is hope creeping into your life for the first time. You're now seeing what God has promised for a long time. You got your focus off for a while, but today is a refocus. God, I'm going to keep praying until I see everything you said.